Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates during events like General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery. We want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us on this journey as we learn what it means to be Free Methodist in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hey, it's August 13th, 2018, and I have a few things for you today, some things from the denomination just to go over and to tell you about. Uh, The first is an email, and and as far as I'm aware, uh, this is the the kind of official, first official um, statement as far as one of the bishops commenting publicly on um, the the, uh, decision for the three bishops uh, to not be reelected at General Conference. And so a, a message was sent out to all those who may want to register for General Conference 2019. And so uh, it was there was a little note there from Bishop Roller, and I found some of the stuff um, to be interesting. There was some new information as far as uh, just some historical stuff that I thought was cool. Uh, so let me read this to you, and uh, and and you'll see what I mean by that. Uh, Bishop Roller says, you won't want to miss General Conference 2019. Historical elections what every church needs to do well, and trajectory set in dialogue. So he says, the recent announcements by the three U.S. bishops, of which he is one of them, of course, um, that they will not be standing for re-election in 2019 have generated conversations across the country. By next year's general conference, the same board of bishops will have served together for 12 years with no changes. That has not happened in free Methodism since B.T. Roberts and E.P. Hart served together from 1874 to 1886. I found that pretty amazing. Uh, this is this is Josh saying this now. This is not something Bishop Ruler wrote, but I find that I find that just amazing. This has not happened. What we've just seen these last twelve years with these three bishops. This has not happened since uh, B. T. Roberts founded the Free Methodist Church in eighteen seventy four, all the way through eighteen sixty six or eighteen eighty six. So I just find that fascinating. So then Bishop Ruler goes on to say, this means General Conference nineteen will do something that has been only done once before in our history elect three U.S. bishops in the same general conference. The election of a new board of bishops will be very important for the future of the FMC USA. So as I've been saying here, uh, we want to continue. I want to continue to encourage you to come to General Conference, not only to, to be a part, to witness this this amazing event, to witness this historic event of the new bishops, try to find out, okay, who are they going to be, you know, uh, and, and see that for yourself. But also, there's all sorts of other things happening. Um, as Bishop Roller continues on to say, he says, it's also designed to help every local church strengthen their three core competencies of discipleship, evangelism, and, and worship. To help us remember, we're calling them in, out, and up. Um, so there's just going to be so much going on at this event. And I know some people listening say, oh, I'd love to go, but I'm just not able to make it. And uh, to be honest with you, one of the reasons I started this podcast was with this in mind. Um, for those of you who can't go to events like General Conference um, and still would like to keep up to date with a, with a daily recap, um, that is one of the reasons I created this podcast for you. Uh, so if you would love to go, but you know for sure that you're not able to go, um, you will be excited to hear that uh, I will be doing a daily update, a daily episode, and it won't be long. I mean, maybe at max it would be 20 to 30 minutes um, a day, um, but I'm hoping for even shorter, maybe 10, 15 minute um, little short updates that will go out every single day during general conference. So if you keep up to date, I will try to post them as quick as possible. For example, as soon as the new bishops are elected, I will do a quick update and send it right out um, so that you can check your podcast feed and hear everything that's going on immediately. Um, And I will go out uh, into general conference and you know get responses go to people and say hey you know what are your thoughts on on the new elected bishops and and just get those initial responses from the people that are there in Orlando. So I'm so excited to get down there and do that. Of course, um, I've been asking also for donations. If you're willing to pledge 
towards a booth at General Conference that we could set up here at FMC Radio. We could set it up and let more people know about the podcast, get the word out to, to a, a, a bigger audience. Um, we need $500. We have $100 pledged so far. And uh, so if you want to, you could give me a call at 234-759-9042 and let me know if you're willing to pledge any money towards a booth um, for this podcast at General Conference. Um, so that's some stuff coming up and, and some exciting things that are on the horizon for a year from now at General Conference. Um, but we also have next month an exciting event coming up. You'll remember Kevin Austin of the Set Free Movement. And uh, the Set Free Movement Sunday is coming up. It's called Freedom Sunday. And uh, the celebration date is September 30th. In other words, this is a chance for you to go to setfreemovement.com and uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. You can you can go there, sign your church up completely free and what they'll do is they'll send you some materials, some videos, some some um, advertisement stuff that you could put in your bulletin, um, you know, logos, all that sort of stuff, pictures, um, stuff that you can use at your church to talk about modern day slavery and talk about abolitionism and talk about what the problem is, how we can um, celebrate freedom in our world today. And so I want to encourage you to do that because, of course, B.T. Roberts and the founders of Free Methodism, they were big into this idea that everybody um, should should be free, that every man, woman, child, race, you know, whatever you are, that you should have equal um, access not only to the gospel as the churches became free, but also freedom in, in the most physical, real sense of just that freedom of, of not, being, not being slaves. Um, so I want to encourage you to check that out. Freedom Sunday is coming up September 30th. And um, excited um, we are here at our church having Kevin Austin come a few weeks in advance of that date. Um, so I'm sure we'll have some stuff to share with you as that date comes closer uh, from his, his visit as well. Um, so also, uh, uh, I know there's a lot of announcements today. I feel like I'm at, I'm at church and I'm, you know, apologizing for how many announcements we have before we get into the sermon time or something. Um, but uh, we, I have one, a couple more things here. And that is, um, actually, this is, this is very important here. Last week, I totally forgot uh, to pray um, for our um, uh, our Free Methodist missions, and and you know I've been doing that for some time here. If you've listened to the podcast, um, but I forgot last last Monday the thirteenth. So I'm going to pray for um, using our August prayer guide from the Free Methodist World Missions. We're going to pray for Monday the thirteenth. Also today. Um, August. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm speaking out of turn. I, I want to for last week, August sixth. Today is August thirteenth, and uh, then we're also going to pray for um, what is marked for Monday the twentieth as well. Uh, because an additional thing um, is that I will be on vacation next week, so I will not be posting a new podcast next week. Um, just so you know, you won't see anything new coming next week here on this channel. Um, so we're going to pray for next week's needs as well. So um, I will read you uh, for the sixth. Last week, it says that we should be praying for the Middle East. It says, Some churches in this region are providing schools for refugee children. Many of these children have seen or experienced much violence. Pray for these children to see and experience the love of Jesus Christ. For the 13th today, it says, Pray for the churches and leaders in the Philippines as they prepare for their general conference in November. And for uh, Monday the 20th in Taiwan, it says, Pray for the faculty, staff, and students at Holy Light Theological Seminary, in uh, Kaohsiung, I'm not sure how to say that specifically, but it's a city in Taiwan. And it says, also pray for the school to be effective in training leaders in our Wesleyan heritage. So let's pray for these three areas, the Middle East, the Philippines, and Taiwan. Let's take a moment to do that now. Dear God, we thank you for those who are involved all over the world. Um, and we often see the things that are happening right here in America. We Even through this podcast, we get to talk to people across America and, and see what's going on in these different churches, in these different states. But we, we think internationally now. We think globally. And we thank you for, uh, first of all, those who are involved in the Middle East. And uh, we know some places in the Middle East could be dangerous. Some of these are creative access places that you know just aren't able to say the country's name um, because it could be dangerous for the missionaries involved there. And we pray that you'll give them courage and continue to give them strength. Uh, we pray for the churches in the region um, that are providing the schools for the refugee children. We thank you for those that are doing that. And we pray that um, that those kids who have seen that violence, they would just um, find hope and peace and, and um, healing in you and that um, they would experience your love. 
We also pray for uh, those churches and leaders in the Philippines. They are preparing for their general conference in a few months here in November, and we pray that you'll prepare them, prepare their arts, and I'm sure they've already uh, prepared a lot for this general conference. They've already kind of planned out a lot, but if there's some different direction that you would have them take, if there's something that they're going to plan for that you'd say, yeah, I'd like you to do something different, I pray that they would, uh, that would be revealed to them, that they would uh, only do whatever it is you would have them do during this general conference, and uh, as they meet in November in the Philippines, I pray that they would um, look to you to guide them. And then finally, we pray today for Taiwan, and we pray for those who are present at the Holy Light Theological Seminary in Taiwan, and we pray um, for the staff, the students, those who are, are leading, who are teaching, uh, those who are attending. Um, and, and there may be different levels, just like here at, at Christian schools here, of levels of attenders, some who are going and just going through the motions. We pray for them. We pray that their eyes would be open to the full reality of the gospel. And we pray that, uh, that, that leaders would be trained um, in, in the Wesleyan heritage, as our um, guide has asked us to pray today as well, um, and uh, that, that the, the school would be effective in teaching people um, in, in good theology. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, um, uh, to, to, to transition today into the main section of our episode, um, I would like to uh, tell you about my friend Brad Weber, and he is a, he's a guy that I met at the Rescue Mission in the Mahoning Valley when I worked back at, a, at this homeless shelter in Youngstown. And um, Brad is a, uh, is a, is a very uh, deeply theological guy. Um, I've known him for about uh, four years. He's always thinking of, of, of deep concepts, thinking of what's the next thing. How can he, how can he tell people about the gospel? Um, that, that's on his heart, and I hope it's on, on most of our hearts, you know, hopefully all of our hearts. Um, uh, uh, now, Brad is, he's a... Um, reformed guy. So sometimes, for some reason, people see these as two opposing. You know, you got the Wesleyans and you got the Reformed, and they're they're fighting each other. They're buttonheads. But what I think is important for us is to set aside those kinds of differences. And it's great to have conversations, right, about the differences in theology, to talk about uh, Wesleyan and talk about, you know, Calvinism and talk about these different things. It's great. But when it becomes a point of contention where you're fighting each other, now that can be a problem. Um, and what, you know, what's great about Brad is we can have these conversations conversations and, and sometimes disagree on some of the theological points. But what we can end up doing at the end of the day is still, you know, not not getting, you know, upset or blowing up, but we can end up uh, coming to a conclusion that, you know, despite disagreements on certain issues, we can still, um, you know, wholeheartedly come together and, and realize that the core of the gospel, you know, those types of non-negotiables, as we would call them, are, are still the same um, about Jesus and who he is. And so um, today we're going to have a crossover episode. And my friend Brad started this uh, thing called Theology Nights, where he would discuss different pieces of theology and, and sometimes just have some fun as we have on this uh as this podcast as well, ask some fun questions, funny stuff, just to kind of break the ice and things. Um, but Brad uh, interviewed me a few weeks ago for his show, Theology Nights, and it goes live on Facebook, a video um, show, and uh, there have been many people tuning into this. Uh, the original episode had over a thousand uh, views and listens um, when he interviewed me, and so it was pretty cool um, to see how it, how it reached out. But we're, we're talking about some things, and I wanted to, I asked him if I could uh, have a crossover here that I could share our episode that we did together. So what you're about to hear now is a crossover episode to Theology Nights, and um, I'm going to uh, put a link to the show notes to um, Brad's show so that you could go on there later and you can see, I mean, he does one every Friday night. Um, and so um, I'm going to invite you to join him um, and uh, see some of the other things that he's talking about. And again, even if you disagree with some of the things, uh, some of the some of the reformed theology, that's okay. It doesn't. That's that's not the point. The point is that you might grow. You might learn some new things here, um, and you might even question some things, uh, some interesting things here. So theologynights.com, and uh, also some links in the show notes to some other pieces there. Um, but uh, with no further ado, uh, this is uh, crossover with theology nights. Well, good evening, everyone. We will let everybody get situated since we are uh, we're streaming on a couple of different channels. I know that uh, we are on the Theology Nights page, on my page, on Josh's page. Uh, we are on his church's page too. So you have 
uh, plenty of uh, options to tune in tonight. Uh, so this is episode nine. Hard to believe uh, that we're already uh, almost two and a half months in uh, with the show. Uh, thank you so much for the support. I mentioned it last week, but I want to mention it again because last week was uh, the interview with Dr. Beal, and so that was the highlight, of course. Uh, a clothing company called Wrath and Grace. Uh, they are similar to uh, Missional Wear. They have uh, T-shirts, men and women. They have some music. Uh, they've got uh, a really nice brand of um, theological wear, I guess is the way to describe it. Uh, but if you are a uh, watcher of Theology Nights, uh, they have a coupon code that you can use, Theology Nights, uh, as, the, as the coupon for when you place an order. And uh, they will give you a discount on the order. Uh, it's a surprise how much. Uh, but check out wrathandgrace.com. And uh, if you place an order, you can use Theology Nights. Uh, just as a reminder, too, uh, theologynights.com is all of our past episodes. Um, you can access the blog articles, you can access our podcast. Uh, I've noticed a lot of people are subscribing to the podcast and we're getting a lot of, uh, downloads and, um, we're getting a lot of, um, of support through podcasts. I'm grateful for that. Uh, it seems like that works out really good for everybody. Um, you can listen to it on, a, on your drive, uh, to or from work or, as Tim Nowry told me the other day when he mows the yard. So, again, TheologyNights.com is the home for everything, all of our past episodes. Uh, you can access the live show. You can access blog articles, the podcast, everything you need to know about Theology Nights you can access uh, from there. And also all of our Facebook information as well is at Facebook.com slash Theology Nights. So I see everybody is joining us now. Um, just to say welcome again to everybody. Um, I'm monitoring the Theology Nights page, so I'll see comments on that page if you're watching uh, somewhere else. I believe that Josh is monitoring his page or his church's page, but um, you can get your comments to us one way or another. So, as I posted earlier in the week, um, now I don't know if this rumor is true. Josh, when I bring him on, he can confirm this or not. But I heard that the only reason that Dr. Beale agreed to be on the show was because he found out that Josh Avery was our first person to agree to be on the show. And after he heard that, he said, well, if Josh Avery is going to be on the show, then I need to be on the show as well. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce one of my closest friends uh josh avery to the show josh would you go ahead and say hello and welcome yourself hey everybody how's it going it's good to be uh here thanks for inviting me brad so josh we've known each other what now almost four years i think i think so i'm, I'm bad with numbers but that sounds good so okay go so so we worked at the mission together for a period of time um yep. we have spent uh, a few lunches at papa's uh, a plug for them if you're in the the Youngstown area Papa's on Belmont is an excellent place to have uh, lunch just be prepared to wait for a long time but the food is definitely worth it uh, Josh and I have had numerous conversations over the years um, theology centered of course uh, but just conversations about life and family and things like that and so when I was getting theology nights going I thought uh, Josh would be a great guest to have on and he was actually the first person that uh, you know we picked a specific uh, time and, and he was the one that agreed to it first. So uh, thank you, Josh. I appreciate you agreeing to be on the show. And so as I did last week with Dr. Beal, I have some fun questions for you that are completely unrelated to theology or anything like that. But I figured to start us off on sort of a humorous note, I'm going to ask you some of those types of questions. Does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So your first question is, would you rather run a 5K or eat 100 chicken wings in one sitting? Uh, definitely rather run a 5K. Yeah. Really? Am I supposed to be explaining the reasons behind this or you, just answering it? Well, you can explain, yeah. I mean, I like chicken wings, but I don't want to eat 100 necessarily. That's gonna, I'm going to be in the bathroom for a long time after that. So, um, but so it's the quantity of the wings. That's what's making you say no. Probably, but I mean, 3.1 miles isn't that long. Yeah, so, it is that long. Anytime not, that we've ever talked about running, your response is it's always not It's not that long. Yeah, it's not that far. 3.1 is, is not that far. Do that on an average day, so it's that's not like, that bad. That's like running to Cleveland, basically, you're just saying to me. like uh, A little bit longer than I, that. but I you. Think, can... uh, Greg Smith wants to know where his book is also. 
Okay, his book should be okay. If you, it's not there, we'll talk maybe about this a little bit later about the book. But you should, you should, uh, if you pre-ordered the book, Greg, um, call headquarters, message me later. I'll send you the the email or the the phone number for it, and you can call them directly and get a tracking number on it. Do you have a customer service team now? Uh, not me personally. Not you. Okay. Do All right. Okay. So then the five K is the winner. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would say that. Okay. Definitely. Next question. This is the this is a fun one. Okay. Will will you grow a beard if this episode gets one thousand views? And I'm not talking about do you have the ability to grow a beard. I'm just saying, yeah. will you not shave for an extended period of time if this gets one thousand views? Well, the problem with it is probably the biggest issue would be that Krista will be mad at me if I do that. So if I try to do that, so I should probably say no to that only because of that reason alone. She'll be mad at, at your attempt to grow a beard or she'll be mad that yeah. it doesn't come in fully. Now she'll just be mad at my attempt to do it. Cause I used to have, I don't even know what this is called, but when you just like, grow something right here, Fu Man and you, yeah, I, I guess. And isn't that a lot longer on the sides? I think, I think so. Though? So mine was just in the middle soul patch or whatever that is that like most. Yeah, that's, are it, that's it. That's it. Most youth, most youth pastors are required to have that at some point. That's like a requirement when you when you actually become a youth pastor. And, and so a I had started in Hebrew, right? Yeah. So I started doing that, um, and then I, you know, Chris made me like shave every, so I couldn't do it anymore. So also, Christine likes your your switch foot, foot t shirt. Yes. Yeah. The switch foot. Everything's of course backwards when I hold up books or anything like that. It's going to be backwards because of Apple. So sorry about that. But I think somebody it actually... figured it out. I think because my software flips it, so I think you're actually normal. Oh, awesome, awesome. Okay, well, that helps then. Well, actually, no, you know what? It's not. It looks normal because oh. it reverses it. That's what it does. Okay. Skype, Skype, or what are we on Google Hangouts? So Google Front Hangouts Google. actually reverses it. So you look normal, but I look like I'm flipped, which is the weirdest uh, thing. Anyways, confusing. confusing. Last question, maybe the most important one. Okay. So late nineties, early two thousand boy bands, who's your favorite one? Um, probably I guess in sync because the most about most uh of them from back then. Oh man, you just my wife is so happy right now. That's her favorite. <laughs> oh, that was her but that's not your favorite. I don't really have I mean new kids on the block probably because they were big when I was when I was growing up, so <laughs> You always used to listen to Backstreet Boys real loud in your office at the mission. Though. I did. I did listen to Backstreet Boys really loud. I still do that. But um, anyways, so those were the fun questions I had. So let's talk a little bit about um, you. So talk about what you do, uh, what your position is, um, where where you're a pastor at. And that kind of gives away what you do. But everybody knows that almost. So yeah. just talk a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, well, um, I mean, I graduated um, from Geneva College in 2008, um, and uh, so with that, I actually graduated with a bachelor's in student ministry, so specifically, I had a lot of Bible classes and stuff, but but then it was geared towards becoming a youth pastor. Um, I grew up um, attending and being a part of the Tabernacle EPC in Austintown, for those who are familiar with this area. Um, and a guy named Dan Osborne, who many of you might be familiar with, he was my youth pastor. And so kind of went under him and that's when I got the idea and started to, to really feel like I wanted to be a youth pastor and did that for, I still am right now a youth pastor, um, done that for the past, um, going on this year, 11 years, um, specifically in the free Methodist church, um, just started in the free Methodist church because my, uh, my roommates throughout Geneva were free Methodists and they just, as I was about to graduate, they said, Hey, there's an opportunity in our denomination to apply. So I was like, okay. So I did that, um, not knowing what it was at the time very much, uh, but have learned in the last, you know, almost 11 years, a little bit more about free Methodism. Um, so I, I have been a free Methodist youth pastor and, uh, just coming into my second year now of being a campus pastor, um, which has a lot of the roles of, of any regular pastor, um, but we just have two different locations. So the cool thing about my role is I don't have to sit down and have finance meetings because that's all taken care of by the main church and the lead pastor over there and their group. Um, I get to focus on more of the, I guess, what I would, would consider to be the more fun stuff of yep. the day-to-day -day kind of reaching out to people. 
Um, so, so that's kind of what the campus means in an easy uh, nutshell. But that's what I'm doing now, um, both the campus pastoring and the youth pastoring at our main campus. So two different locations for those things as well. So. And let everybody know where your church is at and the name of it. Yeah, the, the campus is called Freedom Church Canfield. It's technically in Canfield, but I, I would really think it's more Cornersburg. If you're familiar with Cornersburg, it's right right in the middle of Canfield and Youngstown. Um, there's a little little area called Cornersburg. It's on Canfield Road um, on the corner of Canfield and McCarty, um, 3999 McCarty Drive. And it's been there since the 1980s, um, but just this past year, um, they had about 11 people there and they said, well, this is slowly just declining over the years. I mean, people were literally dying and there's just a church was dying with it. So they said, well, we need to do something different. Um, so within this last year, we've, we've had some families come in, younger people, um, as, lo- as well as keeping all of the older people that were there as well. So we now have about 40 people ma- maximum, I would say average, it just changes each week, but between 30 to 40 people each week, um, there in, in, uh, Canfield. So we're, what? we're building it up. Okay, wonderful. Uh, what are you teaching through right now on Sundays? Um, right now, this whole month, we're, we're doing Psalms. So, you know, I, I know a lot of pastors that do this um, because Psalms is such a big book. Um, instead of doing it all at once, um, just really taking a few and then coming back and, and you know, doing a few again. Um, so I, this whole month, we're doing five of the Psalms. And then probably, you know, in a few months or in a year from now, we'll, we'll go back and do more until we kind of work our way through those. So okay. right now we're, just, we're doing the Psalms. We'll wrap up this Sunday. Okay, wonderful. All right, so then the next question, of course, that I have to ask, and I already told you that I was going to, what, what yeah. does it mean to be a free Methodist? Uh, yeah. How is that different than a United Methodist, which is, you know, the, the when people hear Methodist, they just automatically assume United Methodist. Uh, and yeah. kind of right now, there's a lot of stuff going on with the United Methodist system. So what is what's the biggest difference? You don't have to go into all the, you know, the nuances and things like that. But yeah. like just explain how like when you and I first talked, you explain it, how they broke off. And, and, and so just talk about that and, and the difference between the United Methodist. Yeah. Um, so there John Wesley, many people are familiar with him. He mm-hmm. started the Methodist movement and he didn't even really mean for it to be a church. He was an Anglican priest and he didn't want it to be its own thing. It just ended up being it down the line. So this guy uh, came along, John Wesley, he started some of the stuff. He just believed that there was a method towards holiness that to become closer to God, there was a way to do that. You don't just kind of sit around and go, oh, I hope I, you know, my life changes. You have to kind of apply yourself. And so, um, so with that, um, you know, John Wesley started this movement. And then um, years later, this guy, B.T. Roberts, came along into the Methodist Church. And he didn't like some of the things that were going on. Specifically, the Methodist movement was kind of silent on the issue of slavery at the time um, in 1800s. And so B.T. Roberts was upset about that. He said, we need to be big into abolitionism, setting the, the slaves free, um, which is true to, about free Methodists to this day. Um, and then secondly, it was literally a free church. Um, free Methodism started in a time when um, when churches, you had to pay for your pew. You had to pay for, uh, yeah. back then people liked right. to sit up front. Now people want to sit in the back. You have to pay for the back. For, you know. But back then you wanted to sit in the front and the front had warm seats. They were like boxes and stuff. And so the poor had to sit in the back in the cold or stand sometimes, sit on the floor. So he said, B.T. Roberts said, no, it's going to be free for everybody, literally a free Methodist church. Um, and so that was kind of where it started. And then today um, you're going to see um, a, a lot of differences. I, the Methodist churches I've been to, um, it kind of reminds me, if you were just to go in on a Sunday morning, kind of the difference between myself growing up in a traditional Presbyterian church versus the EPC church that I grew up in. Just like with the music, you notice right away that some of those traditional churches where everybody was in robes up front and they were, you know, had candles and, um, you know, those types of things in some Methodist churches like my grandma was a part of. Um, but the free Methodist church is a little more contemporary on an every average, every average every day Sunday. That's the kind of difference that you're going to see if you walk into one versus another. Okay. That's what I would. Yeah. That was, that's a great explanation. I remember you telling me about the seats. That was, that was, that's very interesting. Okay. So you made, right. you, meant, you made mention of uh Presbyterian 
uh, a church and use that as an example. So let's not talk about every single difference between free Methodists and United Methodists, but let's let's get some theology in there. So like just because Presbyterian is baptism and that's the popular one, what is the free Methodist view of baptism? So and here's the thing for me too, like I don't I haven't studied the current Methodist views like the mainstream Methodism, so I couldn't tell you the difference there. Um, but so like, baptism, let's say, for example, let me, make it, let me make it easier for you then. If I'm a if I'm a member of your church and yeah. I want to be baptized, take me through right. that process of what that looks like, how you're going to explain it to me and things like that. Yeah. So so for free Methodists, you know, first and foremost, it's not we make clear that it's not uh, what saves you to be baptized. And that's, I would say, uh, hopefully a core thing in a, most churches. Most, not yeah, all sure. I know. Absolutely. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not about that. It's, it's an outward sign of an inward, uh, decision that you've already made that, that God has, has been a part of in your life. So you're going and you're making a statement of faith, um, is kind of what it is. And so what you need to do, we need to sit down and need to hear a little bit of your kind of, uh, of your story. I need to hear, you know, that that statement of faith is true. Um, um, but at the same time, um, we're, we're not going to make anybody jump through a million hoops either. <laughs> no, there's some churches that say, well, you got to meet these requirements and then you're going to be baptized. Um, and so, you know, there are some stories in the Bible that just say, hey, what, what prevents me from being baptized right here? And uh, I guess nothing. So they just jumped in, you know. So um, there's there's those two things. Uh, we want to make sure someone's you know serious and knows what it means uh, to be baptized and doesn't have confusion about that. But at the same time, we don't want to uh, make you jump through all the hoops either. Excellent. So okay, so then so you're so it's a believer's baptism then. So you would right. you ba- okay. Yeah. So then um, let's say for example that I'm a church member and my my infant child wants to be baptized. Uh, how do you what, what, how do you handle that? Because that you know, of course Presbyterian uh, churches you know they'll you know let's baptize them right now. Um, yeah, so is there right. different. You know, with a with a free Methodist style, um, are you going to do more of like a well, okay? Well, let's dedicate to the Lord right. this child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's my thing, and I, I learned from uh, Doug Raby in, in Pittsburgh before when I worked for him, but kind of learned that I that, that that difference. And the problem comes in a lot of times in just uh, some some wording that was different in the past that some people were calling it a baptism for an infant. Um, but it was really what it was, was a child dedication. And people yeah. didn't understand the difference. And some people today still do that, maybe because of the, some of them are rooted in Catholicism or whatever. But people, when they go to dedicate an infant, they say, oh, we're, we're having him baptized today uh, when that's not really what's going on. So for me, if somebody says, oh, I want my child baptized, I explain to them, well, it's not. Baptism is a little something different, um, you know, because a, a baby, an infant cannot make that decision. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to you know, give a statement of faith or anything like that, or, or it's not going to be what we talked about before. Right. So a believer's baptism. So, um, so for a dedication though, they look along more along the lines of Samuel um, being dedicated, you know, there it's the parents saying, Hey, we're going to do everything we can to teach this child about um, the, the, about God. And then the whole church answering a few questions to say, we're also going to, um, put ourselves in that direction. We're going to do anything we can to have this child, you know, believe and, and know, know about God. Okay. Um, so that's really it. It's a, it's really when it gets down to it, it's, it's really all about the parents and the congregation. It really has nothing to do with the baby, even though everyone's focus is on that. Baby. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. Pastor Ron wants to know if you, uh, will do free Methodists immerse in the water. Do they sprinkle or do they do both? The uh, the preference is immersion, okay. Um, but obviously, there's things that sometimes you have to sprinkle. A guy with a cast on, I yeah. remember we did, and you had to do some sprinkling on him and whatever. But you know, for the most part, um, again, we're not going to make people jump through all the hoops. If somebody says, oh, "I just sir, I just can't go underwater," we're not going to say, "Well, that's too bad." You know, we will <laughs> do the sprinkling, um, but uh, the immersion is kind of the way we we guide people. Okay, great answer. Yep. Thank you. So you mentioned, you know, you're you're what two years now into being the the lead pastor, the lead teaching guy at your campus, right? Yeah, campus pastor. Yep. Okay, and so you're 11 years into youth pastor, right? Right. Yep. So outside of dealing with 
teenagers and then dealing with adults, what do you think has been the biggest adjustment for you switching from the role of youth pastor to being the lead guy on Sunday mornings? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of differences in, um, you know, just the way that, that you do things. But at the same time, um, you know, there's different ways that, that you go about the teachings um, and you go about the youth group versus a service because, you know, we are going to have at, at our youth group, we do have a half hour or 45 minutes where we do have free time and games and stuff. But at the same time, um, you know, I actually I picked up this book. I didn't have it right in front of me, but I have it over here. Uh, it's Gospel Centered Youth Ministry. Um, that's a nine marks got, book. What's that? So that's a nine marks book. Is it okay? I don't. I didn't know that, but I got it at the uh, at that um, at the uh, the church at the at the thing that we were at together. Um, so what thing? What what exact thing are you talking about that we were at together? I'm talking about the. the I'm just forgetting Basics. what it's called. What is it called? Yes, I mean we were basics. Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you. I was just thinking about what I was talking about and not basics right now. So anyway, so um, this gospel center youth ministry. So what I was saying about that is 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 almost that when we're talking about the difference, um, people get this idea, and I posted something on Facebook to this with a quote the other day about this. But like with youth ministry, it's like, oh, let's do all this high energy, fun stuff, and that's what's going to get the kids to come. That's when it's going to keep them in here. Um, but really you may change the way you, you do the lesson or you, the, you know, some of the wording that you use when you're with teens versus adults or whatever. But, um, a lot of the stuff is going to be very similar or should be, um, the teachings and, you know, the things that you're saying, the things that you're doing with adults or teens. Um, so, so, so that stuff was, was easy to kind of, to switch over to, I guess, as far as people goes. Um, then, I mean, just getting used to um, just all the the day to day stuff. I mean, you know, the, the, I guess the big difference is, you know, going to visitations, seeing people. You know, you have to make sure you know when people are going to be in the hospital, or or this person's not here for a few weeks. What's going on? You know, are, are they sick? What are they not coming? I mean, what's happening? So those types of things. Um, but for the most part, it's we we have that. What's nice is we didn't just jump into this on my own. So. We're able to have the support of the other campus and kind of have these people around us in the denomination too to really be like, if we have any questions, just to rely on them. So it's been some pretty smooth as far as, especially as far as like new church ventures go. You know, you usually hear at least somebody walks out upset and says, "Oh, I don't like yeah. these changes," and they, but we haven't had any of that, so it's been really good. That is good. Okay, so take me through like an average week. Um, not like, you know, like I do this at nine, I do this at 10, but like teaching, what all are you teaching? How many times, how do you prep? Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, um, of course on Sunday, uh, we just have the one service right now. So, um, I prepare for that, um, and do that throughout the week. Um, so I, I have to prepare for Sunday morning, um, until just very recently, um, and taking a hiatus right now, but I also am, am teaching a class at the mission, um, I finished up teaching First Kings, so I was preparing for that once a week. Um, and uh, then, in addition, I prepare for youth group. Um, so that you know that takes up the most of the week. I take off um, Friday and Saturday for the most part. There's always things that come up, especially with youth stuff on Saturdays and whatnot. Um, but so really, it comes down to on an average week three things as far as teaching times and you know sermon stuff that I'm going to have to be preparing for. Yeah. Um, and Top of that, um, just kind of looking to the future too. Um, a lot of times, I'm I'm always reading for what's coming. I'm trying to read stuff that fits in with stuff I'm I'm coming to. Uh, and a couple times, I've I've gone really crazy, I guess. And like for Easter, I just read a book. And, and a couple other times this year, I read a book in one week and then wrote the sermon that same week because I wanted to know everything I could about this uh, issue or whatever it was that I was talking about learn as much as I could and then write it all. So it was all fresh. So I didn't go, Oh, I remember this and that and pick it out. Okay. So some weeks are crazier than others. Um, but, um, an average week I'm doing, you know, two to three teaching times and then, um, you know, all the other stuff, people meeting up and, and things like that as well. So, so how do you find the time to be a husband, uh, a father, a pastor, a youth pastor, uh, a Disney world aficionado, 
um, all of these different hats that you wear? How do you, I mean, I know that's such a basic question, but really, how do you balance all the things that you have to do? I, well, I guess one big thing is um, that I really um, like about this guy. Uh, you, you've probably heard, you've heard of him, but I don't know if anybody else has. His name is Bob Goff. He wrote this book called Love Does. And one of the things that he does that is more extreme than I've ever done, but every single Thursday he quits something. And one thing that we usually hear is, you know, don't quit, don't give up. But Bob's idea is, hey, quit stuff, even if it's good stuff, to make room for new opportunities. So from time to time, I just look at things and I figure out what can I quit to make room for a new opportunity. And so um, if things are a little too crazy or there's too much going on, I need to, even if it's on a hiatus or whether it's forever or just a short time. Um, so a good example would be, like I mentioned a minute ago, just um, being on a hiatus from teaching at the mission. Um, in October, Chris and I are going to Cuba on a missions trip, a short-term mission trip, about 10 days. Um, and I wanted to, I've gone there twice before, but I wanted to learn a little more Spanish this time. So we're starting next week in, in taking Spanish lessons um, all the way leading up to Cuba. And so um, I said, how am I supposed to prepare for three sermons? You know, everything you just said, do all that stuff um, and still, you know, learn Spanish as take on this idea of learning a new language. And so I had to quit something, even though it was something good, um, for the time being. Um, so I think that's the best, one of the best advices I could give is be willing to quit stuff, even good stuff to make room for some new things. Or if you have too much stuff to just make room for stuff that you need to, to make room for. And really it's, it's also an idea of, of having, make sure you have room for the Sabbath as well. Um, which doesn't mean you have to just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Um, for me, recharging, and Chris would tell you this, is not like, well, let's just go and go to a hotel and just lay around all day. Like, I like reading. That's great if I could sit down for a few hours and read. But otherwise, I'm recharged by, like, getting out and doing something. Um, so for you, it might be something different. For those who are listening, you know, you might say, well, I, I need, yeah, I need to sit different down. for me. That's de- I yeah. Definitely, yeah. So it, there's different things that people need, but you have to have that time uh, to recharge doing something different than you do the other six days. Um, there has to be something different. So you're saying that binge watching Netflix is not part of your weekly routine, how you get everything done. Actually, though, in all seriousness, I would say it, kind, it is, I guess, a little bit not binge watching, but every night. Uh, Chris always asks me why I drink some coffee before bed. And I, I mean, I don't know why. I always like to drink it before I go up. Chris likes to go to sleep at like 8.30. So, Nothing you know, wrong that, with that. Yeah, so that's good. But but that's the only time that I have that, you know, Ellie's not running around or I'm not planning for something. So a lot of times I'll stay up an additional hour and I'll watch Netflix then. And that's a relaxing time okay. too. Nothing else going on. It's just a time to be able to relax and take it in. But, you know, I don't think, I think a lot of us, myself included from a lot of my life, we can look on our life and we can say, how many hours are we spending on social media, on Facebook, on Netflix? And we realize if we were to cut out some of that stuff, we'd have time for all the stuff we wanted to do. Yeah. What do you tell a guy who says they want to spend more time on Facebook because their online ministry is is growing and they need to dedicate more time to that? Yeah, well, that's fine. That's fine because it's something, something meaningful. Thank you. So yeah. just re- real quickly, Pastor Jared and Pastor Ron – they would like to have a discussion. We don't have time to do it right now, but in the future, they would like to hear a discussion about Wesleyan theology. Um, so basically between you and Pastor Jared, and I think Pastor Ron's volunteering to be the moderator, possibly. That would be so, good, yeah. So just keep that in the back of your head. So, all right, so we got a couple <laughs> minutes left. Um, we're at about a half an hour. I always like to keep it, you know, half an hour, 35 minutes or so with the interviews. So let's talk yeah. books. Um, yeah. We talk a lot about books during the shows. I'm always trying to recommend books. Um, so mm-hmm. talk about three books that have had the most impact on you in your life. Um, My life? Yeah, okay. or recently, or I don't know. If, if you yeah, want to yeah. think, of, think of one. Um, no, that's okay. Um, so there's a few. I, I, I put a few over here, but I didn't know if you are going to say My Life in the last week or whatever. Um, so... Um, I read this. You heard of this book. This book is called God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. Are you familiar with this book? I don't think so. No. It's, it's yeah. So um, so essentially, what this book is is almost a um, verse by verse uh, expository of two verses. Um, so it's really line by line. It's Exodus thirty four six and seven, and those verses are the most quoted verses in the Bible by the Bible. In other words, not the most quoted verses by anybody, but the Bible quotes Exodus 34, 6, and 7, time and time again, Old and New Testament, more than any other verses. Um, and uh, it's a it's a uh, 
it's verses where God talks about himself. Um, there are many passages where people explain God or what he's like, but God actually describes to Moses himself, his own character. And so this book goes line by line through God's name twice, and then it goes through God's compassion and gracious all the way through the weird part at the end of verse 7, which says God will punish the children for the father's sins to the third and fourth generations. And it's like, well, why is he doing that? So it goes through a whole chapter on that as well. Um, I really like that book um, because it just gives me a, a deeper understanding of God. Okay. Um, also, um, I would just say uh, something, this resource that I have, which is a Bible, but um, this is all, only Old Testament because it's Jewish, but the Jewish study Bible um, is really good because it kind of gives you that um, original, a lot of that original context stuff. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of other study Bibles um, don't give a lot of the context, I feel like. You have to usually get into a lot of commentaries for that. So I really like knowing the original context, especially of the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy that. Um, and then a book that I'm reading the 10th anniversary edition of, which um, right now, uh, that I read that really did impact my life, transform my life, is this book right here. It's called The Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. And um, some people may out there may have read it. Some people may have heard of Shane Claiborne and be like, oh, that's that crazy, radical guy. Um, and others might love him. Um, but I would say if you haven't read the book and you just know him as some guy who, like, he gets arrested for, like, sleeping out with the homeless, you might be like, what in the world? But I, I would ask you, I would I would ask anybody, if you haven't read the book, check out the book, read the book. Um, I think there's going to be things in it that challenge everybody. Um, but I'm reading through the 10th anniversary edition now, and it's probably like doubled in size. So I think it's, it's worth, if you read it years ago to reread it again. Um, and, uh, I don't, I guess that's all I'll say about that. I, uh, Pastor Ron has agreed to moderate just to let you know. So we're, okay, on, so we're on board with that. I'll reach out to Pastor Jared. We'll set up a date here and, and very soon. So that'll be, you'll guys have to pay attention for good. that show. All right. So those were good books. Um, so name a book. That was the most challenging to you. And by challenging, I mean like difficult to get through or a book that after you got done reading it, it really made you evaluate some of your positions or something along those lines, if that makes sense. Well, uh, in addition to in addition to the one I just mentioned, because that was honestly in college, there's just a revolution. Um, there's another book that um, um, called Starving Jesus, and I, I Highly doubt anybody's read it. It wasn't a bestseller or anything, but uh, two of the guys that I know, J.R. Mann and Craig Gross, wrote this book, and uh, it's essentially this idea of what Jesus said. He said, "You know, if if you're feeding the least of these, you're feeding me. And so, if we're not feeding feeding the poor, essentially, or if we're not doing these things, we're starving Jesus Himself." Um, and so, they talk about this idea of being born again lazy um, in the book and being able to be a Christian, but really just having your faith. Um, chained to the pew and like, okay, I come in and I believe in Jesus and everything. And you don't really go out and do anything crazy on the off days, but it's just that idea of like, well, I have my faith and, you know, then I just kind of go about my life. But that, that Jesus wants us to be, you know, and God, God wants us to be so much more. Um, and we need to stop starving Jesus. We need to stop being born again, lazy and really um, live, live bigger with our faith. Did you um, write live a blog out. post? Did you write a blog post once before about that book? Uh, probably like, or maybe. maybe a blog post that was like inspired. I, I really remember you having a title that was something similar to what you just said. It probably was. I, I'm not sure. Um, I wrote about at the, at the beginning of the book that I wrote, I, I wrote, um, yeah. I quoted that being born again, lazy. Okay. So that's in there too. Well, good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's what we were going to close with. I wanted you to talk about your book. Um, so yeah. explain how it came to be. Talk about how the Free Methodist contacted you and how you got the idea and the time. And just kind of let, let's just talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Um, well, I, re I wrote this book. It's called um, Radical Forgiveness, um, How to Give Until It Hurts to Those Who Have Hurt You the Most. And um, it's I mean, it's short. It's probably like 150 pages or something. Um, but basically, I, I have always since I was younger wanted to write a book. Um and I just, over the years, I mean, even since I was a teenager, have written things here or there and then just kind of fallen off and not finished. Um, but I had this idea. There's a series called the Fremo Journals um, through the Free Methodist denomination that they publish a few books every year. Um, and one thing, there's two things in common with each of them. There are 13 chapters each, and they each have 10, 10 questions after each chapter. Um, so you can use it for, you know, to really think through each topic that's being brought up in each chapter for a small group or for individual use. Um, so that was my parameters 
uh, were the 10 questions in the 13 chapters. Um, but I came up with this idea, and as I was reading one of the other ones, I saw at the end it said uh, about the publisher, about who was the editor of these journals. So I, I called him, and I told him, well, you know, here's my idea for it, and he told, asked me why I wanted to do it. And um, we went back and forth with an outline, and then I ended up writing in a, probably two to three weeks, um, and then a few months of editing. And um, now it just came out earlier this, this uh, month, and hopefully it'll uh, help some people out with, with their journey in forgiveness. Um, because it's, it's that idea that, you know, we, we're willing to forgive those who uh, hurt us in, in maybe we think it's big ways, but really when we think back on it a few years from now, it's like, well, it wasn't that bad. That person lied to me. Okay. What did, what did it hurt? But, but so, so this really, the, the book kind of goes through, through a few things. First of all, what are our options? You know, we can either retaliate against someone who hurts us. We can, um, ignore them completely, or we can do what Jesus said and love our enemies, um, so it goes through our options. Then it goes through um, 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 a section on why. Why do we forgive those who are undeserving? There's several chapters on that. Um, and then a whole section on the worst of the worst situations. So talking about the um, Amish shooter who came in and into the squats and killed all these kids. And then the Amish that same day were willing to forgive them. There was this huge news story in USA Today and all the newspapers. Um, so what if, you know, something horrible happened? What if your children get killed or what if something, you know, the darkest, uh, thing you could think of happened to someone you love? Well, what, what does forgiveness look like in those situations? So, um, there's a whole section about that as well. Um, and ultimately, um, there, there's a final section that kind of wraps it all up called embrace all, even your enemies. That idea that, you know, our love for our neighbor also includes our enemies as well. And so this idea that as crazy as it sounds, it's, it's, it leads to life. It leads to a better life, um, through this kind of what we might think of as radical forgiveness. And, and where, if somebody wants to pick up a copy, where can they get one from? Um, you can get one on, on the light and life bookstore. Um, it's on fmcusa.org. Um, if you live in this area, I have a bunch of copies, so you can contact me and I can probably, I don't know if it's a little cheaper or not, but without the shipping and stuff, but I can get it to you as well. A copy. Um, if you live in this area, you can just message me. So, okay. So let's close with like five rapid fire sort of fun, fun ish questions. And, yeah. uh, and then, yeah, like I said, we'll close with that. So, uh, John MacArthur or John Piper? Probably. I guess I know more of John MacArthur, so I go with him. Go with John MacArthur. Okay, tell everybody so they can have we can have this on record that you have read some of his systematic theology. Yeah, I, I had read that. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Okay, so expository preaching or topical preaching? Um, I have to choose one or the other. What would you prefer if you had to pick one that you would do? And I think you know the answer that I want you to say. So. Oh yeah, no, I no, but I really would. I would say expository. I know you would. Um, Although I do, I do move back and forth. No, I know. Um, and, and I, yeah. do you think it's because you had to challenge yourself with the Old Testament books that you preached through? Does that really, has that helped you a lot um, with, yeah. you know, being more yeah. drawn towards expository, do you think? Yeah, just, just learning about it more. Um, I've always liked the behind the scenes information, the background, and that really is, you're able to do that more when you go, Verse by verse, you're able to bring out the background, which is actually more interesting because if we were to give a give a questionnaire out to non-Christians, Christians say, well, what do you think Christians believe on all these topics? Probably everybody get 110 percent. But when you say, well, well, what does the Bible say about this or that? Sometimes people a lot of people wouldn't know, even Christians who've been in church for years. They could know about topics, but they don't know about even, you know, what's in First John or something like that. Biblical so theology. Uh, That's why it's so important. Yep. Yep, yep. Okay, so then uh, next one, to preach through, if you were given the option, what would you rather preach through, Genesis or Revelation? Uh, um, I guess more recently, I guess I, sh I guess I would say Revelation because I've been wanting to uh, look at that in deeper. And, and now Pastor Ron hopefully won't get offended because it's, he gets upset about all, uh, you know. Pastor but, Ron's the resident scholar on the book of Revelation. So G.K. Beale, when he was on the show, he actually asked Pastor Ron when his commentary was coming out. So, <laughs> Well, I'm waiting. I, I haven't read this yet, so I can't recommend it or not. But this is a book called Revelation Through First Century Glasses, which I'm looking at soon by uh, W.B. West. My interest lately is looking at, um, the idea that revelation, not everything, but a lot of the things may have 
occurred. And I know that can be controversial to some people, but the idea that it was written to a specific audience for a reason. So I want to know why, just as I want to with Leviticus or any other book. So, okay, so we've had that discussion. There's been numerous of us that have had that discussion about, say the, say what that view is of Revelation about things that have already happened. Yeah, I mean, it would take a long time to explain everything, but essentially what one core piece is that when Jesus you know, talks about um, a coming tribulation and a coming hard time. He says, here, here's the key verse for me that's got me got me curious. He says, some of you standing here today will not die before this happens. Mm. So it's like, well, that's strange. So what people believe, who believe this point of view, that many, much of this has already happened, is that the event he's referring to is not like left behind tribulation force, you know, that type of thing, Tim LaHaye. What he's talking about is the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., and, and a lot of the things Jesus talked about, in fact, on Palm Sunday, um, Jesus actually saw, foresaw the destruction of the temple. He's, he wept on Palm Sunday, which is something I never even realized in the story until this past year. Um, but, but it tells us that. Um, and it's, he wept because he saw what would only bring you peace. If you just believed in me instead of war and violence, you could have peace. But they wanted war and violence, and they got it in 70 AD, and it destroyed everything, including the temple. So— to, to use the technical theological term, that's the preterist view of of events yeah. that it's already yeah. has happened. That would actually be a good topic to discuss on one of the shows. We haven't. It was so funny because for like three weeks, that's all we were talking about. I feel like everybody that I interacted with, that was the big thing, and I haven't talked about it right. since then. Um, <laughs> yes, I don't remember what question that we're on. Um, I, so I, I asked you about Genesis and Revelation. Okay, so then Old Testament yeah. or New Testament? If you're preaching from a book, Old Testament or New Testament? old because it's what i know the least about over the years so i've recently gone to that so you'd like to challenge um, yourself through yeah. the old testament yeah okay. so i finished in first kings at the mission recently i also did um at the church i did jonah which you know that's not that hard but then i um i also taught through leviticus at the mission um and um there was another book that I taught through at, at the church, and now I can't remember. Oh, Nahum. Nahum was the other one I taught through, and a couple more. But I did a lot of Old Testament, so I need to focus maybe yeah. this next year on doing some New Testament stuff again. So, All right, so my last question, and we'll wrap up with this then. Who who was Melchizedek? What what was he? I, that's, I always just turn that over to you because you studied that for like three years, and you still you know are like, well, I, I'm not 100%. So, so do you I think— you don't have an opinion or not. Yeah, I, I need to do a little more study on, I haven't done deep study on Hebrews or Genesis. So, you know, I guess that's that's why. I've read it, I've read them, but I haven't studied de deeply. Huh, okay. <laughs> I was hoping I would just get you to pick one, but I'm, I, no. I'm, impre I'm impressed with your withholding of that. I know. I don't want to say unless I, I unless I haven't. I commend guess. that, I commend that. That's that's a good stance, especially with something like that. I, uh, yeah. I, I I, I can't get into that right now. That's a whole entire, we'll be here for another 45 minutes on that. And then I'll start talking about Hebrews and the author and the themes. And so that's just bad news for everybody. So, yeah. Yep. All right. So Josh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything that you want to add? Um, uh, you no, know, for, Christine says you have homework. You got to get back to us next Friday on that. You have to let us know what your position is on Melchizedek. Okay. I'll have to look that up and, and learn some more. But, so, uh, yeah, any final thoughts or anything that you'd like to share as we kind of wind down? No, not any. I mean, I have some other things over here written down, things off the side, but I'm not. That was our new conversation, so we don't do that tonight. That'll be for the next time, the big debate or whatever that okay. I'm currently. Well, we'll we'll certainly do a part two uh, of this. So keep those uh, keep those handy. Uh, maybe in a in a couple of months um, when I get resituated and everything, we'll uh, we'll plan on doing. Uh, maybe I'll have you live in the studio and we can do like a, uh, a, a dual camera stream or something like that. Maybe we'll do that. That would be fun. That would be good. All Sounds right. good. All right, Josh. Well, hey, thank you again. I appreciate it very much. Uh, have a great night. Thanks again, brother. All right. See you later. See ya. Bye-bye. So that was Josh. Uh, thankful for... Uh, him being on the show, I'm thankful for uh, all of you guys uh, tuning in. We had quite a crowd tonight. Um, so next Friday, we'll be back to, I don't have anybody lined up for interviews, 
uh, for next Friday. So next Friday we'll be back to the uh, normal format. Um, TheologyNights.com, you can submit your questions, submit them on Facebook, um, all the normal avenues. Um, I have a really large growing list of questions that people have been submitted um, or people that have people have been submitting. There we go. I'm getting tired. It's late. Uh, people have been submitting a lot of questions. So if you submit a question, I'll let you know, like, hey, it'll be a couple episodes or I'm going to add it to this. I'm trying to create uh, shows that are similar in themes. Um, we should do an entire episode on Melchizedek. That's a great idea. Maybe we'll do that next week. Maybe we'll talk about Melchizedek next week. If you're not familiar with who Melchizedek is, he's a uh, he's a guy that's in the Bible. And that's all I'll say. You have to go find Melchizedek because I don't want to lean one way or another and cause you to believe. Go to the book of Hebrews and read about Melchizedek. And we'll talk about Melchizedek here soon. I'm not sure when. But thank you all for showing up tonight and for watching uh, the interview with Josh. Uh, thank you for the support, uh, continued support nine weeks in. Um, as I updated you guys recently, Monday nights, we are rotating our um, basic theology slash my favorite book of the Bible series. Uh, Friday nights is the live show. Um, as I also mentioned, our podcast is up and running. All of the audio from our videos uh, will be in podcast form. Uh, so if you're not able to make the show and you're not able to watch the video, uh, you can listen to the podcast while you are uh, driving into work or driving home uh, from work. TheologyNights.com has all of our blog articles, book recommendations, past episodes. You can get everything on that website. Uh, other than that, send me a message on Facebook if you have questions, if you'd like to uh, interact. We've got big things planned. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to give any details away or anything, but uh, we have we have lots of big plans uh, in the works. So uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your Friday evening. Uh, have a, a wonderful weekend. Make sure uh, you are treasuring Christ and growing in your knowledge of Scripture, and you are making his name known. And you are encouraging others around you to do the same thing. Appreciate your guys' support so much. TheologyNights.com for more information. Facebook.com slash TheologyNights. Have a great night, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye.